Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenants, Specialized Pastor Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Now, for those of you who live in the city, <laughs> this, I guess, analogy, if you want to call it that, example, is probably not going to really be relatable. But for those of you who live in the country, for those of you who live in smaller communities, <laughs> maybe no community at all because there may be great distances between you and your neighbor. There's a community, but it isn't like living in the city. And with that, the good news, there's good things about that. There's not as much congestion. There's not as much people. Uh, oftentimes you could go miles and maybe not see a car, not see a neighbor, <laughs> not see anybody, but maybe some cows in the field or some wild game or animal that might be crossing the road. But in the same sort of a way, roads are not quite the same in rural communities as they are in more city-fied or developed community cities. Uh, and with that then, sometimes it's difficult Especially if somebody's coming at you and you're going at them to know how to get off the road or how to pass. And oftentimes that requires you getting off the road, either to the right or the left. That would be if you'd have enough width to actually pull off the road. That would be a kind thing to do to let the other person go by. But especially when you're talking about communities that have hills or mountains, those roads could be pretty narrow. Uh, as they used to say, carved out. And there may not be any room to get off to the right or left. And you have a standoff. Somebody's coming towards you and you're going toward them. And there's an inevitable crash ahead if you can't stop. And even should you stop, you then have to figure out with politeness who's going to be the one to back up and how much backing up, that could be a bit of a challenge too because you may have gone quite a ways. There may be quite a ways you'd have to go to get to your destination and it may take a while to back up. And that would presume once you back up or start backing up, you still find some place to pull off. Matthew chapter 18 and I'm going to begin with verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he began, when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had to not pay, or as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. 
And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. 18, Matthew 18, 18 through 35. Of course, for those of you who know the word and have familiarity with the Gospels, and in particular the book of Matthew. You know, it's Jesus. And he was speaking again to Peter. And with that, then, for those of you who are that familiar, you'd probably know that Peter was at times a pretty, I don't know, bullheaded kind of personality, or person with bullheaded personality, and uh, did not oftentimes concede so readily or so easily on the front end, And had, with that, I suppose it's a good thing, a bit of determination, uh, which made it difficult for him necessarily not only to concede that he might have been wrong, but with that then having problems even himself, admitting to himself that he was wrong. Forgiveness is very powerful. It's sort of like that rural community <laughs> analogy. Now maybe it's a little bit more relatable even if you live in the city. We're, you're on a road and there's really no way to go to the right or left. And you come face to face with somebody who's coming in the opposite direction. You have to figure out, well, what are you going to do with this? Now, if it were to be that there was some extra width beyond just the either <laughs> graded possibly paved (laughs) highway that you're going through. And highway's kind of like maybe not a good word because then we think of this like really four, six, eight lane. No, it is just, for some, it's just barely enough to get by. Somebody maintains it. Maybe they don't. Maybe it goes through the creek bed. Maybe it winds around the mountain. But when you start thinking of it in those terms, Forgiveness could just be easily, well, I'll just kind of step aside and let you by. And with that, then both of you might be having a good day. And with that, then both of you might, <laughs> might be very good people in the sense that you have a good heart, good conscience. But if you don't, even should one of you, but the other not, it could be a very difficult sort of decision. Now, if they're too much of a bully, you might just give right in and say, okay, well, I'm going to back up and just let them have their way. And that may be a good strategy. But at the same time, though, most of us at some point might get a bit tired of having to make that concession. And so at some point, (laughs) you have to think, well, 
what should I do? And why should I do it? Why do I always have to be the one either to concede or, in this case, to back up? And it could be a good distance. I mean, it may not just be a few feet. It could be up to a mile or two, depending on where you are, what community you live in. Where I live, you go up a holler, and you have a very narrow passage, and it looks like a highway compared to the path that otherwise used to be the way to get up the holler. But you say to yourself, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I want to back up, or if backing up is what's required, I may really go out of my way so that I might be kind or generous. And You might say that to yourself, to let this other person have right away, even if they're not right. But forgiveness really sometimes does require that. And when you get to that notion of 70 times 7, and particularly if you've got an individual who isn't of the same sort of persuasion as you might be in terms of mutual respect, uh, understanding the importance of, of kindness, and that concession doesn't mean that you're always, does not always mean that you're wrong. It just means in that particular situation or circumstance, it's the best option. Uh, maybe isn't very empathetic, uh, doesn't get your perspective, maybe the urgency of the trip. <laughs> Listen, I got to get up the holler. I got to get to my destination. It's really, really important. Um, it's like ambulances. <laughs> That's another driving analogy. Ambulances. We're all supposed to get off the road for an ambulance. I think that's still common courtesy. How did we kind of get to that point? Well, let's do empathy. If we were in that ambulance and we need to get to the hospital and uh, understanding, relating then to what that might be like, we want to get out of the way because one day that might happen to us and we want somebody else to get out of the way. (laughs) And that's a good reason to do it. There's nothing wrong with empathy and perspective taking. Putting yourself in somebody else's situation and seeing it from their vantage point. We could easily say, well, if I were needing to get to a hospital and let's say we're back in the city now or up the holler and the ambulance is coming at me and and I know they've got to get to the hospital. Yeah, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. To get out of their way, including back up, even if it requires me to do it for miles, <laughs> the holler. Or if I'm in the city, I could pull over surely and let them by. That's because I want it done for me. And there's a lot of good to that. Actually, I think that the Old Testament's kind of set up that way. That an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is the sort of consequential negative side of that. Somebody's done something wrong to you, then in that same sort of a way, you do something back to them, equal, and proportionate to establish some sense of righteousness. But I don't know that we want to celebrate that because that might be a bit of an aberration or a distortion of what the real message was. God wasn't saying, because somebody hurt you, you have a right to hurt somebody else. I don't believe. I don't even think God operates that way. And I think we took what God said, or at least what God tried to teach us, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, not necessarily out of a spirit of, well, watch out, because somebody's going to punish you if, if you don't obey, if you don't follow the rules. But he probably would at least till we finally got the place where we were mature enough, maybe understood it enough, 
Maybe not only did we have empathy and perspective taking, but somewhere in it we had certainly the measure of compassion, which is combination empathy and perspective taking. Those are psychological sort of constructs. The Bible, I think, would call it compassion. To be able to do this, not simply because we could put ourselves in somebody else's sort of position and say, well, I'd want them to do that for me if I was in a hurry, it was urgent, or just out of kindness. Even if there wasn't a lot of urgency, sometimes neighbors do that for each other. Oh, no, go ahead. Because, <laughs> again, that's what you do when you're neighborly. Maybe it's because you know you may need help in the future. And in rural communities, that could be very, very important because your neighbors may be a great distance away from you. There may not be <laughs> immediately somebody who come to help you. You have to count on your neighbor, and then you have to be neighborly in that sort of way. Cities are a little different. you got a lot more people. Maybe you don't have to treat everybody that way, but I still think a good measure, that probably makes some sense. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That's reciprocity. But it shouldn't be for punishment or desire to avoid punishment. <laughs> It shouldn't be because we in some sort of measure or way feel like they're being mean to us, maybe even bullying us. Why should we forgive? Maybe it shouldn't even be for reciprocity. Oh, you're a friend. You're somebody who I've done this with or will do this with again or have done this with before and will do this with again. And And we just kind of try to treat each other well. And maybe the world would be, again, a much better place even if we did it out of that. But I do think there's a point where the 70 times 7, as Jesus was teaching it to Peter in the book of Matthew, wasn't for fear that somebody was going to look at you and say, well, I've done this for you and why didn't you do this back either to me or should it be even for somebody else? And then with that, Point out, well, the consequence is you're going to be going to hell here if you don't stop that because you don't have no friends or you won't have any friends. That's that, that's that rural. You get that when you start getting to rural concepts or rural talk, you start to uh, you kind of mess up your grammar a bit. You get no. But you will end up in a bad place. You won't have any friends. <laughs> And that's bad enough, and that's a good consequence, right? That's a good realization that that's going to be your consequence. We call those natural consequences because they're really not contrived so much. It's just they are. They're God. God contrived them that way. But it's part of being pro-social. It's part of being the great advantage of being, again, community or together or treating each other well. But I'm not sure even that, in that same sort of progression of thinking, is the end of that. Because I think God wants us to have even a bit more. And how do I know that? Because there's an awful lot said about, even in Old Testament, sacrifice. And sacrifice really is, in some ways, as this passage (laughs) captures it, forgiveness. Seventy times seven is not only forgiving, there's a sacrificial element. But if you see it in Old Testament context only, all you're going to come up with is sacrifice. But I do think there is a place and point, not only is it intellectually and emotionally in human dimension, but I think it really otherwise has to be in spiritual dimension or it's not going to work. 
Because there's only so far you're going to go before you finally say, I've had enough of this 70 times 7 thing. Or on a particular person, you may get so frustrated or so tired of having to forgive that you may say to yourself and to them, not today. (laughs) I'm not going to do it today. And there's possibly some place for, in that way, some sense of righteous indignation. But the New Testament comes at it more in forgiveness. If the Old Testament has to frame it as sacrifice, then Jesus came once and for all to establish the fact that forgiveness is even better than sacrifice. Now you can say, well, you know, there's some passage in Scripture, Samuel was speaking to Saul, about it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Yes, if everybody could obey, then we could avoid sacrifices. But there's many people who aren't, and then there's always going to be a sacrifice. If not, all of us at many points along the way won't, and therein obedience is not going to work. There's going to be a need for sacrifice. And if we understand that because that is the failing of humanity, because it is hard to figure out righteousness, it's hard to figure out all the motives, you don't know if it's important or not important, you don't know if the person's just selfish or not selfish, but in the end, if we're all more alike in this way, then we are different Then, even for the sake of reciprocity, why would I want to hold you to a standard that otherwise, in hypocrisy, I'm trying to admit that I'm better at when really, in reality, I'm not. And at some point along the way, that'll come out. Whether it is intentioned, again, some harm with some idea in mind of hurting you, just out of bully or out of mean, or whether it's just mistake, or whether it's because of some preemptive circumstance or situation, somebody's not able to do what you think they should have done or what it seemed to be, transactionally, seemed to be the measure of your relationship with them, whatever that might be and whatever sort of material terms that might manifest itself, then probably the better strategy, even if it's just for the sake of not knowing and then not wanting to hold somebody to some standard accountability of standard or of accountability or with accountability that that really is not fair because we can't figure it out because we can't see it for everything it is or know the real heart or know the real intentions it's probably better to be generous and gracious to let that go if we go back to the <laughs> one lane road analogy back up If we go to just simply, oh, well, there's room. I'll step over here and let you go by. Uh, There's an ambulance coming at you. And we know with the red lights or whatever color lights they have nowadays flashing and the sirens blaring. And we know if we don't get out of the way and the rest of us don't get out of the way, that person could die in that ambulance. And we don't want that to happen. Even if it's out of just we wouldn't want to be in that situation where somebody wouldn't let us by. And then, you know, we'd lose a loved one or we die ourselves. We wouldn't want to do that. Then get out of the way. And I think that will work. And I think for the kingdom of God, as in material dimension, there'll be many that will do it only out of that. Either out of obedience, trying very hard so there's not 
as much sacrifice or even when you concede, well, obedience will only get you so far because everybody in the end harms somebody else, whether it's intentioned or not, through something that they were supposed to do or weren't supposed to do, but either didn't do or did. And we just don't want to create any more problems and we're probably as guilty as they are and we should just leave it alone. I mean, you can society can operate on that. I mean, you can live next to just about anybody. Even if they don't believe the same way you do. Even if they're not Christian, just on the basis of reciprocity. But in the end, the only thing that's probably going to allow you to sustain it would be not only to see it in Old Testament terms, but to really see it the way that God's called us to see it, so that without any sort of measure of interference, or some way of trying to mess it all up, or some way of not maybe trying, but messing it all up by inserting ourselves in our own sense of righteousness as to what we should or shouldn't do when it comes to another person's real intent or measure of intention... We need to let it go. But when you begin to realize that that's more than just reciprocity, it's more than just do unto others as you'd have (laughs) them do unto you, it's more even than just the Ten Commandments, it's certainly more than an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and I don't think God's about punishment. But I think what God is about, though, is helping us to realize the natural consequence to not forgiven is that it's going to be hell. <laughs> We're going to create a world in which eye for eye and tooth for tooth and measure of judgment and, you know, there's no righteous judgment except God's and even if you put somebody in charge <laughs> like Solomon. It can only be sustainable for a while. Why? Because the human vessel is incapable in and of itself without God, without the entire understanding that only God has and and that's even me saying understanding as if in human terms I could even begin to conceive or comprehend what God knows I'm taking it upon myself to measure it out now Samuel could do that with again Saul because it was pretty clear God had given clear instructions of what Saul was to do but many times outside of just this forgiveness thing The idea of sacrifice, uh, it's better to obey than sacrifice, and he could call Saul out. But I can tell you that, as I'm trying to in the podcast today, and hopefully make equal sense. If you don't forgive people, you're creating hell. You're contributing to hell. If you try to judge it out of your own judgment and not God's, and you don't approach it, in that way of basically saying, and it comes down to this, I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not myself righteous enough to be able to say anything to anybody in such a way as to condemn anybody to anything in the way of hell. And certainly eternal sort of dimension. But if I am contributor to that, even if it's kind of more remotely or in a lesser sort of way, not as strongly as somebody who's just, again, very mean and self-centered and selfish and angry and you know presumes that they can make judgments about what's right and wrong and don't need God don't need you 
They've almost gotten their conscience seared so much they don't even listen anymore. They don't care about what somebody would say in the way of, well, think about if you... No, I'll just think if you're in their shoes, what you feel. No, I don't even want to think about that because I'm never going to be in their shoes. I'm just going to do what I want. You may not be that person, but forgiveness, if you don't operate out of it, You've really not either understood it, and though you may have been extended grace and mercy by somebody else or by the power of God in somebody else, the Holy Spirit, to the end of forgiveness, with that dimension, certainly in a material sense, there always will be materially an element of sacrifice that goes with that intention. But if you don't receive it in that way, if you don't understand it, if you don't then receive it and understand it in the way we're trying to present it on the podcast today, then you're going to be guilty. And I think the road, <laughs> son of perdition, the road to hell, that's really what it looks like. Is that a person gets hardened of heart, they stop forgiving, and it just gets worse and worse and worse, and they harm more and more people around them, and then again that reciprocity rule, and then you get the place where you justify, well, there's no forgiving because it doesn't work. Even with sacrifice, I'm only going to turn the cheek so many times, I'm finally going to say it's enough, I'm not going to do it anymore. That we all end up, you end up, I end up, we all in that singular way would end up. <laughs> As close to hell as any of us would probably want to be. As much as we're Christians and you might be listening to the podcast today and saying, yeah, I know what that's like. (laughs) Either live with somebody like that or unfortunately I might have been somebody like that at some point. Somewhere down the road though, we don't want to end up in hell. (laughs) And if somebody comes along and forgives us, you can pay it forward. You can believe in karma. But still, that karma has that Old Testament flavor of you're measuring it. I don't think God, again, wants that. I don't think he wants to punish people. I don't think he wants us to even sit around and measure too much of it. He just wants us to know the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate answer, really, is forgiveness. And you have to live on forgiveness And hopefully with that, you can touch a heart. Hopefully with that, as much the Holy Spirit might be in anyone, all of us until the day of our passing, still trying to work to the end of our salvation. Again, some would then become the son of perdition and grieve to such the extent or degree that they don't have any of that left in them. Or at least give appearances that none of that is in them. But it is, he is, and maybe we might be in that forgiveness, the one that sort of stirs it up, the one that brings it out. But you've got to move from eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, even if you frame it in reciprocity, the Ten Commandments, this is how you should treat one another, this is what you should do as with more positive regard or intention. You've got to get to a place where you say to yourself, even if this is going to result in me giving to the point where I think I'm going to die, or even should it be to the point where I'm going to sacrifice to the place of dying, if I do that of the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit, it's probably a better thing, not only for the kingdom of God by life in material terms, 
But if I should want to enter into heaven, I have to be like Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He gave his life for all of us in an act of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Now I want to jump to, sin ahead, to Hebrews 10, at least ahead in the sense of uh, after Jesus' death, his burial, and ultimately his resurrection in this act of atonement and the ultimate of sacrifices to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I could read more, and really, the book of Hebrews is written to folks who were still pretty much under the persuasion, the strong influence of the Old Testament. It was the Hebrew people. And here is now, not Peter, but the Apostle Paul speaking to them about that very same thing. Forgiveness. And as I have tried to explain it in more current sort of context, relatable context... The Apostle Paul was directing his exhortation to the Hebrews. I believe they were in Rome. The idea, though, is that he was saying the same thing. You used to, were taught to, hopefully got it, that it wasn't just eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. And maybe so, there are extreme circumstances where that, you could still say it's justifiable. I think most of us kind of see murder, those kind of acts, heinous acts as justifiable in the sense of maybe we don't think of killing somebody because they've killed somebody. But certainly we can understand. But I don't think God is wanting us to end up there. And certainly the Apostle Paul is pointing that out. It's not eye for eye, tooth for tooth stuff. But even so, even if you look at it in terms of reciprocity and obedience, he was just reminding them it doesn't work. And how do they or should they know, as he was speaking to them, how would they know it didn't work? Because it killed Jesus. And why did they kill Jesus? Because he told them to forgive. He told them to let it go. Not because it's not going to be measured or in some way judged, but they're not the ones to measure it and judge it. It's God to measure it and judge it. And God's measure of it and judgment of it was Even God himself would back up, pull aside, concede, 
at least in manifestation, physical, material manifestation of Jesus Christ. Because it is a better thing for the kingdom of God and the hope of then somebody understanding what love and forgiveness, grace and mercy is all about so that they might then enter into the kingdom of heaven, which is the New Testament context of all this. Forgiveness is giving in advance. Forgiveness is giving without measure. Forgiveness is giving not what you know will happen or won't happen. And you can make that argument. We know somebody's going to harm you at some point in the future. But even if you should do that, don't do that with only that in mind. Because somewhere along the way, you'll start to consider the cost and count it all up and come to the conclusion, well, my forgiveness is running short. (laughs) I don't have enough in me. Well, let me see. I've done this how many times this week? And that's 70 times 7. It seems like ridiculous in the sense of, for some, in, well, that's eternal. Why would you even have to put a number on it? Because we put numbers on things. Because we measure them out. That's judgment. Righteousness is not ours. It's God. He's the only one that, again, could know the true intent and purpose of whatever happens. But as you've done your best... To stay out of hurting one another following the Old Testament Ten Commandments. Let it go. Because <laughs> being embittered is as much about not letting go as much about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth stuff. Because it's always going to happen and in the end, it will kill you. <laughs> Life materially ends in death. To live is to die. You can't escape that. But if you're going to live the best life in material terms, you can't hold on to anger and bitterness. You have to give in advance without measure or you're going to get caught up in all of this. And you're going to take it to your grave and then don't be surprised when you get to your grave that (laughs) Jesus says, I didn't know you. God goes ahead and shows you the judgment, the pronouncement of your deeds in life. And he points out, well, you didn't let go. You didn't really believe it. You kept holding on to it. It it created bitterness. It's the stuff of perdition. It's the stuff of searing your conscience even. You get a hardened heart as a result of that. Back up. Concede. Allow God in forgiveness to you to be the source of your forgiveness to others. Why? Because if God took that attitude about you, you'd be in hell. And maybe hell is as much, I know, it's literal, something we experience in that same sort of material kingdom of God sort of way. But that's why God sent his son Jesus. So we know he doesn't hold that against us that way. Because as I read in that passage... He's going to forget about it. But you need to forget about it because if you can't forget about it, then what's going to eventually happen is it's going to keep you from enjoying all that God has for you. Tried to say that earlier. You might be thankful for God's grace and mercy and forgiveness, but if you don't forgive others in that same sort of way that he's forgiven you, you've not gotten it. You're basically maybe saying you believe in all the parts about 
God loving you and bringing forget, but you're not willing to sacrifice or endure what might be and will be. There'll always be a material dimension of sacrifice, but there's no limit to God's resource in material terms, as would then be his source of the resource. It's resourcing. The source is his love. Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Doesn't mean you're not going to forgive people, but forgiveness removes the sacrifice. Or if there is some still sense of feeling, measure, and some material carnal sort of dimension, it's painful. It covers all of that because it's the greater of intentions. And what is it then? That makes it more powerful than even your measuring out in resource sort of terms? It is source. God is eternal in his love. There is never a deficit of that or in that. And should then we be left in human or carnal mortal terms, death terms, to resource it, then freely receive, freely give. Just forgive. You can talk to the person. You can remind them of the Old Testament. You can remind them, as I've tried to once again on the podcast today, of how the Old Testament sort of speaks to not only punishment for being mean, for being selfish, for harming people, certainly with evil intention. Again, we said that, maybe. You can justify it. But that's not even what the Old Testament is about. The Old Testament is about just showing you what you get if you don't understand. It's got to at least start with some reciprocity, empathy, and perspective taking. But it can't end there. It has to go to compassion. But the only way you get to compassion is if you understand the principle of forgiveness. And what drives that principle to the place of such awareness, recognition... Coming to the end of yourself and realizing, though I may not be going out there killing people out of either sociopathy or lack of conscience or disregard entirely for their life because I'm so selfish, so self-absorbed, so much into survival that I really don't care who I kill. I just need to get what they got. That's the devil, by the way, who is the son of perdition or would then manifest in the Antichrist, the son of perdition be manifest. I need to realize it's more than that. I need to realize if God's promised me eternal life, he's shown me in Jesus Christ, he sent his only begotten son himself to show us even God is bound to forgiveness. When Paul's preaching this to the Hebrew people, he's telling them, You've got the first part down, but you need to then realize, yeah, it's going to seem like a sacrifice, but sacrifices in and of themselves is not enough. (laughs) The blood of goats and rams will never atone for the iniquity that is human nature (laughs) to try to judge it, to try to hold all the cards. To own it as source when we're just resourcing it. We're passing it around. But don't get in the way of it being passed around. 
freely again as God's given it and to you share it with other people. That is the atonement for sin. That's the only way that it works. And should it kill you, it's going to kill you anyhow in the end. Not with malice, not with evil intention. God does not end our life in material terms out of punishment. That's not why people die. People die materially, not eternally. It was never intention of God for us to die in eternal dimensions. But people die materially because that's the way of the material world. That's how he passes all of that resource around. Nobody lives forever materially. And isn't that good news? Because there's not enough righteousness in the material sense. It's just we're vessels. We're, we're only able to pass around or be a, a conduit, a way to get his love from one place to the next in the most elegant of manners. Love one another. Love God with all the heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And love others as you love yourself. I keep going back to that because that's really it. Every podcast, it seems like I come back to that thought. But I need to take everything back to that so I'll really understand. I can be Old Testament and probably we can live next door to each other or even in some semblance of community. But in the end, whether life is as required materially that we all die, it's just the way it is in material terms. Or should we get so off path, not for the sake of forgiveness, but away from the primary messaging of grace and mercy and forgiveness is the only way to eternal life, we start to measure it out, we get embittered, I might as well just go ahead and concede. The best thing to do is just trust God. And that he's going to do it fairly and rightly. And in the end, he gave me his son. He came himself in the manifestation of his son, Jesus. So as to point out inside of me, there is a power to forgive even as he forgives. But it's spirit. But aren't I also glad that I'm not my material flesh so that when I think of my death or even such that you might kill me. That I know, though, that there'll be no death. Because I am one with Christ. I am one in the Holy Spirit. There is but one God, one Spirit, one Son, Jesus Christ. Who did all that God would ask any of us in human terms to do. Because he was human. (laughs) At least he had humanity. But if I don't believe that then I'm not going to do that. And if I don't do that, then I'm not going to experience that now, even so in the hereafter, because I will have denied Christ. The Apostle Paul is trying to tell him, you guys have come so far, and you're supposed to be examples, but you've gotten off the path into the weeds. You've taken that whole reciprocity thing, that whole Ten Commandment thing, and started to flip it and say, well, yeah, if we do this, it's all great. But if you don't, then equally you got justifiably so a reason, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, to kill you. Now, I know there was a time and a place where that was all kind of permissible. But that was for the sake of immaturity. And eventually, as with Hebrews 11, we won't go there today, on the podcast, 
But with Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, you're not going to have the end of the promise or experience the end of godly promise. What he forgave when he sent his son so that we might have then forgiveness in our hearts manifest so powerfully, so strongly that we could do this thing of even laying down our life for another as Jesus did. That's the final sacrifice. Once you get there and you do that, then you're in heaven. It's over. But if you're not willing to do that or go there, then you're going to be fighting not only with yourself, but everybody else. And when you get to that place on that road, you may concede, but you may do that out of the wrong motive. And you may say, well, next time I'm not going to do it. Or if you do it every time, but it's only because you're afraid of what's going to happen. If you don't do it, maybe there's a bit of relatability. Maybe you're just scared of the person on the other side. The one that's coming at you. And there's probably some smart in that. But the greater wisdom is step aside. It's not worth dying or killing somebody unnecessarily. Even should it always end in death materially. Don't be premature. Life is a gift. (laughs) And we're here to help one another so we can make it as positive, as healthy, as good as it possibly can be. But all sickness comes out of that same root, a bitterness. And that's, I think, what the Apostle Paul was trying to teach them. That Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, but if you become one with Christ, accept Jesus as the Messiah, though you may still sacrifice until the day that you go home to be with the Lord, in the end, when you die, it is the ultimate gift You've given it to life along the way so you don't kill anybody else. But even in that, you're preserving their soul and maybe you're helping build them up for the sake of doing the same. And wouldn't that be nice if we all were Christians and we all had the Holy Spirit and we could have that on earth? It won't be until Jesus comes again. But when you get to that place of your passing, God will look at you and say, good job. Just like Jesus. I wanted you to just be like Jesus. I sent him so that you would have something to find yourself in to help you through the tough times when you didn't feel like it, when your flesh was giving you such the struggle. I just wanted to remind you there's death, there is burial, but more importantly, there's resurrection. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, He's at my right hand. And I give all power and dominion on earth to him. Because he's done exactly what I have done. I've given life, but I never take it back. As if I could speak such for God. But I think that's sound. Jesus lays down his life. But he did it because he knew that in that he'd take it back up. Why? One, because he was God. But two, that is the only way to heaven. If you don't, you're going to spend eternity in hell. You'll get the hell that you've continued to struggle with in material regard. But if you let your heart go cold, if you let your oil and your lamp run out, if you let the flame in your heart, the flame of fire that loves, that sanctifies that fire that burns, that brings, again, some dimension and material sense of the power of God to our awareness. 
removes all the impurities, the, the dross, so to speak. If you let that go out, then you can try to obey and you can try to live by reciprocity, but it still be miserable and it's not going to save you. Let the ambulance go by. Pull over. Practice grace and mercy. Sometimes it's only out of a bit of that reciprocity, but always bring it back to the end. And the end is Jesus and forgiveness. And if you do that, then you'll overcome anything that otherwise the devil might use to tempt you, to cause you to trip up. That's the gist of the primary message of covenants. Specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry. In the end, it's all out of forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Not to the discounting of you or the importance or significance of any of these events that might bring with it some measure of hurt and pain and trial and tribulation and sacrifice to your life, but just putting it within proper context so that we understand. In the end, the only thing that really sanctifies us is the blood of the Lamb. It's Jesus. Should you need some help getting through the trials and tribulations? Should you need some help working through the losses? Should you need some help? The sacrifices represent losses that go with the sacrifices of life. Should you need some help trying to frame it in the context of forgiveness? Should you need some help with encouragement along the way? Should you need some help with compassion, (laughs) comfort, Certainly not out of ourselves, but of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Come see us. We'll be glad to help you. You can reach out to us at 304-528-9220, covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com, covenantsonline.com. And you can catch us on Facebook at Covenants. But you can also come back to the next edition of What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Until the meantime, or in the meantime, until that time, we get a chance to get together again. God bless.